Once again, uh, I would like to welcome everyone to Rodeo Radio, Episode 7, and I have a very special guest tonight. Uh, not only do I have a special guest, but we're also going to have some uh, dope new music by my guest. Now, before we get started, I just want to share with you why, once again, uh, I always do at the beginning of the show, why I do this show. Um, my very first job that I was given was given to me by a Japanese vendor by the name of Steve Yano from the city of Whittier. He gave me my first job at the Vermont Swamp Meet selling records. So since I've been 11 years old, pretty much 40 years ago, I had my first job. I'm 51 now. But um, uh, he inspired me to uh, not only DJ, to produce, but also to... Uh, to do this platform that I'm doing now. Uh, what he did at his rhodium stand, uh, um, for those of you who may not know what a uh, rhodium is, it's an open air market, a flea market, or a, a, a swamp meet, if you will. And he gave a lot of independent artists there, uh, uh, not only an opportunity to be heard, but also to rap on his mixtape, to rap live at his swamp meet stand, or even to DJ at his swamp meet stand. So not only did he encourage and inspire others, but he also encouraged and inspired me. And that's what I'm doing now. I created a platform for others uh, to share their story and to be heard. So without further ado, once again, I would like to thank my good friend, Rodney O. Thank you for coming, my brother. What's going on? So before we get into the dope electro history funk, uh, I want to touch on a little bit on where was Rodney O raised? Where, where did you Riverside, grow up at? Riverside, California. Hmm. Now that's interesting because uh, before, even though I know you and I know your history all the way back from these are my beats. Mm -hmm. um, my thing is that uh, when I Wikipedia you, it says a group from Riverside, California. Now I know that Joe Cooley was from Compton, right. but you said Riverside, California. Now have you, you always lived there? Have you always grown up there? Yeah, I grew up there, went to high school there. Matter of fact, me and brother Marquis from Two Live Crew, uh -huh. that's who I grew up with. Yes, sir. Is uh, with Two Live Crew. And uh, I went to Poly High School with Reggie Miller, Cheryl Miller. Uh, Polly yeah. High. Which Polly High is that? Polly in Riverside. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because when I think Polly, I'm thinking Polly in Long Beach. Yeah, everybody does. Everybody. Okay. Does. So uh, now, now, growing up uh, um, at home, uh, uh, what kind of music was usually played around your house? Like, what did you grow up with? Whatever, whatever my mom was playing. You know, Al Green, uh, Gladys Knight and the Pips. You know, what I'm saying till till I would hear. You know, I was listening back then. Cute 102. You know what I'm saying? Right. Top 40, you know, so just whatever, man. You okay. know, it didn't matter then. Did, did you grow up with brothers and sisters as well? Yeah, or? yeah. How many brothers and sisters do you have? Three older brothers. Three older brothers. I was the youngest. Oh, wow. You get punked around a lot? Nah, 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 <laughs> nah, not, not at all. I say that because I have four older brothers and... And you did. Yes, I did. Uh -huh. uh, uh, four older and one younger. 
And the sad thing is, I used to punk my younger brother. See, see, that's kind of messed up. Yeah. And, you know, he still holds that against me. We just, to I bet, day. I bet. You Why know? would you know? Of course. Yeah. So it, it, in my house, my dad was usually pretty much the DJ. I, I usually tell people he had a a big old console about this big, had a turntable in, in the middle, in the cabinet. Yeah, the cabinet. Yeah. It up. And Thanksgiving, Christmas, or New Year's, he would always play his forty fives. You know, but uh, he he mostly played like. The Beach Boys, Elvis Presley, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> right. uh, co of course, a lot of Spanish, mostly like mariachi, uh, romantic stuff is what he was what he was doing. So I like to try to get a little picture of what developed or what formed uh, Rodney O, you know. So. Uh, uh, as far as what I was listening to? Yes. Yeah, I, anything that was popular back then, man. And when, like I said, whatever my mom and dad would play, what my mom would play. Uh -huh. And uh, that's basically it. And listening, you know, top 40 radio, there really wasn't no, well, of course, no rap and uh, no really R&B stations where, that I could pull in for, in Riverside. Okay. Now, for those that may not know uh, that you grew up in Riverside, what elementary did you go to? I went to Washington. Washington? Elementary school. And junior high? Gage. Because back then it was junior high. It's not middle school like it is today. Right, right. You know? That's one thing that I, I've never liked that uh, back then we graduated at sixth grade. Today, they graduated at fifth. Right. Then when you hit middle school, it's what, sixth, seventh, and eighth. Yes, right? exactly. The seventh and eighth one. Yeah. So I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of glad that I had a childhood, uh, uh, you know, before, uh, if you will, uh, what do you call it? Uh, technology took over. Right, because you know, back back in the day, as soon as you got home from school, our ass went up, climbed up a tree, or climbed up the yeah, school. Yeah, you had to you had to get into something, and it wasn't staying in the house. And, and that's where I think part of our creativity came from, because today, uh, if you want an answer, we just Google something. Right, you know. Right. When back then, we had to go to the library, go find it, or go to a friend's right. house and study. Right, you know, or to incite what what people would come by and sell the encyclopedias or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Now. And uh, what was the high school again you went to? Poly. Poly. Now, did you play any sports? Not at all. None? No. Nah, I mean, I played baseball, man, you know. but Any good? No, nah, just all right. Nothing you know, special. I played Pop Warner football here for the city of Wilmington. And uh, I, I'll have to say this. And I think like any school, first of all, I don't want to say I was sorry because I don't think that I was taught well. I, I went there to learn how to play football. Right. And I wasn't taught. All, all the kids... Their, their dads were the coaches. Right, so right, right. I rolled the damn bench. Uh-huh. You know. Yeah, that's how it go. Yeah. And you lose your interest real quick when you ride that bench. Right. So now, um, did, did you end up graduating from high school? No. Neither did I, so don't feel no, bad. No, I left. I left. What, what year were you supposed to uh, graduate? I believe it was 87. 87 okay. or 86, I think I was, but I'm, I'm horrible with dates, man. So. Okay. Okay. All good, man. I, I was supposed to graduate too, but you know, my mistake <laughs> was I was too much into the music and women in high school. So I was always yeah, going to DJ parties. You had it bad. Yes, I did. Early on. Early on. Uh, uh, me and my, my best friend at the time, we used to catch the bus and we used to uh, uh, go to East LA and go hang out at uh, uh, Garfield or Roosevelt High School. Because we thought that's where all the fine girls were. Right, right. So, yeah. but, uh, um, but, anyways, now you're in high school. Around what time? What time of your life would you say that you got introduced to doing or producing music? Uh it was. 
probably the 11th grade, 10th grade. And me and brother Marquise from two live crew was, was rapping. And I, I brought him in cause I heard about this dude in my town that was starting up a, a label. And he was originally from here, brother Marquise from two life crew. He had, when, when I met him, he had, he had just came in from Rochester, New York, I believe. Okay. So, you know, I'm looking at oh, from New York, you know yeah, what I mean? Of and, um, yeah, yeah. Wow. And so did he have any roots from Miami? Cause you know, when we no, think no. of two life crew, we think Miami. No, that's just where they records start taking off. So if your records start taking off and it's regional, you're going to go there cause that's where all your money is. Your shows, wow. you're selling records, you know? So that's why they was, that's why they went down to Miami. See, I, I didn't know that. So you hook up with him. And oh, well, what? before him, I hooked, I had hooked up with Mr. Mix. Okay. Mr. Mix was in the Air Force, him and, and uh, Chris, the Chinaman. Okay. And um, we would go to Uncle Jam's army parties. We'd play records, you know. And uh, yeah, that's that's where it started off. So for you, what would you say came first? Um, rapping or would you say pr production? Not rapping. I, I, back then, I wouldn't think about making no beat. Really? No. Now, before we get into that song, uh, or before we talk about These Are My Beats, uh, which I believe, was that your first 12-inch? Yeah, as Rodney O, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was. Yep. Before that, was there ever anything out that you might have done with those guys from Two Life Crew? Yeah, yeah. We had a group called Caution Crew in, in Riverside. We put out a couple records. We had a record called Rhythm Rock, and we had one called West Side Story. Wow. Now, yep. now, you know, the majority of my questions come from because a lot a lot of the people that I interview, I already know and I know their history. But many times they catch me off guard and they, they come with me with shit like this that I didn't know. And yeah. it just blows my mind. Yeah. You know? Yeah. A lot of a lot of people don't know because, you know, they always think that two live crews from Miami and Luke started the group and Luke did this. No, See, not, and that's what, not, that's what not at all. I thought so. Uh, caution crew is that what you said yeah so that, that, that was me and brother marquise just me and him was that is that available still right now like in youtube or something it's it's somewhere it's somewhere, it's somewhere out there so you guys look it up you guys get a chance the caution crew rodney or brother marquise and uh who did the production on there uh man that's that's i forget the dudes i think his name was michael verlin and another cat um I mean, real flat, no bottom, you know, but bottom wasn't out then. You know what I'm right. saying? It was just, hey, back then, if somebody had a track, we using it. Right. I don't care what it sounded like, you right. know, especially back then. You know. So when saying? you say bottom, we're talking about that 808 Yeah, bass. we're talking, well, not even 808, just just some type of bass, you right. know what I mean? Because there no 808 out then. Right. And, and, and now let me ask you this, because this is interesting for people that love making beats, uh, people who love DJing. A lot of people, when they found out that I was having you here, they were DMing me or inboxing me. You got to ask them this. You got to ask them that. Well, uh, what drum machine, if you can remember, was used to create those beats? Was uh, it the 808? Which, 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 which song? Uh, the Caution Crew stuff. Wow. I couldn't even tell you. It was some big old battleship Keyboard know, drum, drum machine. I don't know what it was. Okay. Yeah, and okay. it wasn't no Lin 9000, wasn't nothing like that. I don't know what it was. It wasn't a DMX. Uh, I, I really don't know. If I seen it, I would remember uh -huh. it, but I don't know what it was. Now, at, at what point now, you're with the Caution Crew. At what point would you say you branched out on your own and said, I'm going to do my own shit? 
Um, I brought one of my caution crew records to a Uncle Jam's Army Dope. Um, party that they was throwing. I believe it was in San Bernardino. And I gave my record to uh, Egyptian Lover. And I told him, I said, uh, this is my record, you know, stuff like that. And um, I told him to play it. And I don't know if he played it that night or he said he was going to try and try and play it or something like that but he took it home and played it would you say that's your first introduction to egyptian lover oh yeah definitely definitely now back then uncle jam's army was the biggest thing going of course so. of course and now i'll be honest i came from a strict a mexican family where i i was still 19 trying to go to battles of djs and my mom wouldn't let me go so i had to sneak out of the house just to do that right right you know so i always heard about all these gigs going on but i never had the chance to go you never, you never been to Uncle Jim? No, it was, it was unreal, man. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy, man. That's the first place that you would go somewhere, and as many people that was dancing was as many people that was watching DJs do what they do. Yeah, and there was crowds for both. Wow, wow, and uh, um, now is around. How old do you think you were at this time when you went to go like give Egyptian four, Lover? Fourteen. 14 okay, 14. So what are we doing out on the streets, man? Oh, man, I couldn't keep me in, man. There was something with music going on. I mean, Uncle Jam's Army, of course. You, you would hear about them, and then all of a sudden they announced it was going to be in San Bernardino. I mean, you, you, had, you had to go, man. Yeah. I had to go. I was, it, it's weird. I was at clubs, and, I, and I, to this day, looking back, I, I can't remember if they was 18 and over, 21 and over, but I always got in. Always I always in. got in. Man. Okay, see now you were you were around fourteen, and I always share the story. The very first time I ever went to a club, I was eleven years old, <laughs> and my brother snuck me in. I just graduated to sixth grade. I went in my blue Kmart three piece suit with my hair combed to the side, you know, because I used to always part it in the middle like a book. Yeah, you, you know? got in there though. Yeah, I got in there, and I was always kind of tall, so I kind of blended in because this was a eighteen and over club. Okay, but okay, so now you meet Egyptian lover. Now, I know your very first solo single was These Are My Beats because that's a, a DJ classic. It was a, a classic for me to cut up. But I also read on there that it was produced by Egyptian Lover. Um, how did that come about? How did that relationship start? Um, Egypt had called me. Um, he had called me after I gave him the record. And he said, man, I listened to the record. I, I think he might have said he didn't like the record, but he liked my voice. Right. And uh and somehow, some way we hooked up or something like that, or he's like, Man, I wanna get you in the studio and and you know, Egypt was like Prince to me, you know what I mean? Course, so it course. was like, Yeah, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Say where, when, I'm gonna get there no matter how it go. Wow. Now, if I'm correct, now that record's produced now. These are the little details that producers and DJs like me like to know. When he did that beat, do you remember what he used to create that beat? I believe, let me see. I, it could have been the 808, but the but the decay wasn't on the bass. So I think it was the 808. I believe it was the Jupiter 8. And maybe a DX7, maybe not though, but I think just the Jupiter and the 808. Okay, okay. And do you remember, uh, 
Did you guys work up that beat together, or did nah, he just Egypt, call you? Egypt, Egypt would do his own thing, and and I mean, I loved the beat, but I just felt it wasn't me, even, okay. even back then, because it sounded like an Egyptian lover beat. You know what it I mean? Did. You know, it did. but but he's Egypt, so what am I gonna say? You know, it was funny because uh, we had a joke amongst DJs that we were like, man, all Egyptian lover got to do is just breathe on yeah, the song, yeah, you know? Yeah. He'll find a way to breathe differently in every song. Everything was like, uh, uh, uh. Yeah, yeah. You know, he would do some <laughs> yeah. crazy shit like that. Yeah. But the shit was dope. Yeah. You know? It was, it, it was him, man. Now, when you heard the beat, uh, um, uh, you write the lyrics? Yeah. Okay. And uh, so now... If, if I'm correct, that song was released, what, 86, 87? Yeah, I'd say 86. I would say 86. And it's funny because I remember we was on the road. We was like maybe in, we were somewhere in Alabama, man, Backstreet's traveling to a show. Uh-huh. And um, I was upset about the record because my vocals was real low. Okay. And Egypt, you know, he didn't care. He was laughing about it and, and all this and you know, I'm feeling down, man. You know what I'm right. saying? Because, like, the it, record's doing okay, I guess. But we're in the middle of nowhere, man. I, I mean, you look out right to left, it's just fields. Right. No mountains, is just flat. And all of a sudden, man, we're driving, and these are my beats came on the radio. Way out. I mean, come on, man. We're in Alabama. And, man, we went nuts, man. And I, I felt so good after that, man. I couldn't believe it, man. We in the middle of nowhere, bro. The record ain't been out that long. And all of a sudden, wow. it come on the radio. So it it, it was crazy. Was- you, you know, that reminded me of a story. One day, we were in Louisiana. Me and High C, our record I just dropped. It was late 91. And uh, we were in uh, where his family lived in New Roads and uh, um, Baton Rouge. Okay. We're sitting in the van, you know, waiting for our road manager either to put gas or something like that. We were in a van. It was hot as hell. And some little kid, you know, uh, walks by. And really, I'm the only Mexican in that part. Everybody else was black, you know, mm-hmm. Louisiana. He sees me, goes, hey, what's up, Tony A? What the <laughs> hell? You know, and he comes back with, I guess, with little sister. That's them. That's them. That's them. And I thought that shit blew me away, you know, yeah. like in the middle yeah. of nowhere. I kind of understand. Yeah, it. yeah, you get it. You get yeah. it. Yeah, it was a trip, man. That that's a that was a wild one because I mean it's like we're nowhere, no, we're not in no big city. We're just backwoods, man. And it's like to 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 hear it like that. It was that was wild. Man. You, you know what was dope? Oh, today uh, I was at the gym, and I, I work out. I try to work out at least five days a week, okay. But I was bumping, you know, of course. Uh, I, on my phone, I have the Rodney O. Joe Cooley greatest hits, mm-hmm. and these are my beats. Was the one that I was, I kept it on replay. I love that damn song, you know. Uh, now I I know when you say you know it really wasn't you, it was more of a Egyptian lover beat. But I guess because your dope vocals and his beat, it just meshed. It meshed together. Yeah, yeah. it did do that. You, you know, uh, like remember that song, Doctor Dre in surgery. Yeah. Uh, okay. Dr. Dre, when I saw the um, the Defiant Ones a documentary of him and Jimmy Iovine, okay. he was talking about that Dr. Dre and surgery song. Now, for me, that was like my shit right there, you know, especially because I try, always try to emulate his scratching on mm-hmm. that song. And then he said, you know, then that part comes on where I say, Dr. Dre, Dr. Dre. And then he stopped and he goes, I thought that shit was whack. <laughs> and that was like a punch in the gut for me who saw like that record, like the Bible, 
you know. Right, right, right. No, yeah. I get it. I get you it. Know? So sometimes when legends like yourself uh, speak on a certain song, we want to hear the truth, but sometimes the truth hurts because we want to say, <laughs> how, how could you not like yeah, it? Yeah, I, 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 I never liked the song, man. I never liked it. Well, we got it exclusively here on Rodian Radio. Mm -hmm. We never liked the song. So, but, but I also knew, too, that you didn't have to like it for it to be a hit. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like there's a lot of songs that I don't like personally, but you know why they're doing what they're doing. Right. Okay. So now you drop These Are My Beats. What is a follow-up to that? Did you have a follow-up yet? Uh, uh, I probably had some songs ringing around in my mind, but the thing is, is we went on the road. It was I was with Egyptian Lover. Dream Team was on the show. Joski Love, UTFO. Joski was, Love, yeah. Pee Wee Herman, right? Jason Lover, obviously Egypt, Egypt. LA uh, Dream Team, LA Dream Team, Rock, Rockberry Jam, and whatever other one they had. Yeah, man. Rock, and, yeah. And who else was on there? I think that was it. And uh, UTFO, we, Roxanne, Roxanne. Yep, yep. That's some classic shit, right yeah, there. Yeah, it was, man. And we was in Denver, and. Everybody was at the hotel after the show, and you know the girls are all on them and this and that. And I back then I was just playing keyboards for for Egypt and his band. Really? Yeah, I wasn't performing. At least I don't remember. No, no. Were you a natural keyboard? Did you learn to get mm -hmm. good? Or I was no Nigarachi. I was just I could just play something. <laughs> if I hear something, I could play. It might take me twenty minutes. So you played it mostly by ear. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And um, so I was playing for for Egypt and because he had we had a band back then, you know. And um, and I just said to myself, man, after seeing everybody in the in the hotel, I'm like, man, I gotta make a hit record. So I walked up to my room, man, and wrote "Everlasting Bass" that night. How old were you at that time when you wrote that? Fifteen. Okay, now I'm gonna ask you again. What the hell were you doing out out there in Denver? Hey, man, on the road, bro. It's like, you know, I didn't want to do nothing else. Music was my life, man. That's for sure. I didn't know what. I, I mean, I always wanted to be an artist and all that. But, you know, at the same time, I knew I wasn't the best rapper either. But I, right. I could I could make songs and I can come up with catchy stuff. So Yo, you sure have, man, because I tell you what, when um, Everlasting Bass dropped, I quite, kind of quite don't want to get into that just yet. But I mean, when I hear 15, 16 years old, I think to myself, fuck, you know, I, I could barely go to the liquor store without my mom waiting outside of the front porch waiting for <laughs> me to come home, you know. Right, I right. would beg to go to the movies, right. you know. But th the bad thing is that out of my family, I was the damn devil anyways, you know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But uh, uh, I wised <laughs> up. But I wised up. But uh, so now you wrote Everlasting Bass. Did the lyrics come first or the music? The music in my the music came first in my head, you know. Um, it wasn't like you know you bring equipment on the road and do you know pre production, but I just had in my head what I was. Ah, you know, I know tempos in my head, you know. What okay. I mean? And so I'm writing the song music wise and lyric wise. Wow, okay. you know, I'm visualizing it. Right, right. So I'm I'm out there. I'm like, man, they all in the lobby signing autographs. Gotta make a hit record. When I get back, I'm making it. one of the dude that was in my in my band called uh, Troy. I told him, I said, man, I got this song. It's gonna be a hit. I knew it was. You knew it. Yeah, I knew it. 
I knew it, bro. I could hear it. I could hear the song in my head, and it came out exactly how I, how I was, you know, thinking about. it. You know, there was a quote I read, and I'm I'm gonna lap, I'm gonna um, paraphrase it because I don't know if I remember it exactly, but it says, "When you have a great idea, you could either be gravely wrong, or right on the brink of making history." Okay, mm -hmm. and many times people. You could tell them something they're like it ain't gonna work it ain't gonna work but when you stick to your guns and you know it's gonna work and you hustle and it ends up working you always get these people oh i, I knew it was gonna work yeah yeah lying I mean, bastards it, it, it's weird man because even from early on i just did what i wanted to do man i didn't look for no i mean of course once i'd get it done i would i would bring it to egypt i'm bringing it to egypt right back then first you know what i mean uh -huh. and um so yeah I, I knew, man, but I had it in my head, and um, I was just waiting to get in the studio, bro. Now, now, if you don't mind, if you can remember, what keyboard did you use to play that? Matrix 12. Matrix 12. There you go, everybody. Matrix 12. Yeah, it was a badass keyboard out there. Oberheim. Oberheim. Yeah. Wow. You know, I, I had me an Oberheim. I also had me an Arp Odyssey. Mm -hmm. uh, but the Oberheim was the shit. Because I remember Prince even used the Arp. Uh, I think it was on 1999 song. He had the Oberheim on there. Yeah, yeah. But, they, 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 they was just fat, man. It was just rich sounding, you know? Right, and right. It was expensive-ass keyboard, man. Thank God Egypt had the money to buy that. Thing. Right, right. So, I didn't. So, so now, would you say at that time that Egypt was probably the biggest thing out of LA, in LA? Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I think Egypt was ahead of its time. Because, here's why I say that. Because that sound, at least for me, maybe because I'm just an old school head, I still love that fucking sound, bro. And I think that it's evolved into so much that is still out here today that he's still booked. Yeah, well, Egypt was a real technical dude back then. I mean, his thing was about how it sounded, you know okay. what I mean, and, and its quality. So that's why my records came out good because I'm following in his footsteps and I'm seeing what he's doing and I'm going to the same places he go to. And he would tell me, man, turn this up or turn that, you know. So, yeah, I mean, Egypt, he, he was cold cat, man. Yeah. Still is. Now, when you listen to that song, Everlasting Bass, I like to say uh, uh, the bass is everlasting because this, this song is still a hit and it's going to be a hit 20, 30 years from now still. Okay. I think it was uh, by Billboard magazine. Wasn't it considered one of the top five? Uh, man, you know, that's one thing. I, I don't get into that shit, okay. man. You well, know what I'm saying? Because what one of the greatest what hip hop records it, it was considered like uh by billboard magazine one of the top five if i'm correct uh west coast hip hop greats that's the that song everlasting bass yeah i never heard that yeah i don't i don't know. supposedly that was released like in 2010 but yeah i'm gonna tell you the truth i agree with it i agree with it okay and maybe just because i just love that sound you know, when, like I said, when I interview people, not only, you know, I consider you a friend, but I'm also a fan of your shit. I yeah. love it. Yeah. You know? So now, uh, I, I mean, think about it this way. You were doing Everlasting Bass, and at that time, I don't know if there was anything out there that sounded remotely like it. No, because everything out here was probably at least 120 mm -hmm. beats per minute. And right. um, I slowed it down, man. I, you know, um, a lot of that was influenced by Miami, too, though. Okay. You know, um, being out there and hearing, hearing the, I mean, back then, 
they would have they would throw shows or have clubs and it it just be a wall of of bass. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that's right. that's where I got it from. So I'm like, let me bring this bass thing to to, to you know to Cal. Okay. So before you, is it safe to say before you created the song, you had already been out there? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. We had been out there. We was on the road. You know? Okay. Now that song, where, where did you end up recording that at? Everlasting bass. Yes. Skip Sailors. Skip Sailors. Yeah. Wow. Yep, in the back, same place where Quick did all this stuff, but we was there way before, way before. Yes, Quick. yes, yes, yes. Oh, well, even I mean, you guys even came out before NWA. Yep. You know, now uh, that song comes out. Uh, what record label was that under? Egyptian Empire. Egypt. Now, did that song take off gradually, like an airplane, or did it just? It took off pretty fast. Man. Took off pretty fast. Yeah, huh? it didn't take. I remember we was going down the four hundred five. We in Egypt's bands, and I'm playing them the mix, and he just he shut. I was playing it. He shut it down halfway and said, "That's a hit." And I'm like, yeah. yeah. To hear Egypt say that, you know what I'm saying? That, that right. was real tight, man. And uh, he's like, like no joking in his in his in his expression in his voice. He's like, "That's a hit." Can you still hit that note, but you can't get enough of everlasting. Oh, sure, so yeah, I got to. That's what I do, man. I don't do nothing else. Dope, dope. Okay, we're going to go to a quick commercial. Uh, we'll be gone for about 10 minutes, and then we're going to come right back, and yep. we're going to get into uh, some interesting stuff, okay? Gotcha. So, everybody, please tune in. Call somebody, uh, text somebody, email somebody. Uh, if they got a beeper, page them. You know, uh, um, you know, we still got some old school here. I know people with beepers still, so... Uh, let people know what we're about to get into, who I'm interviewing, the West Coast legend here. Um, Rodney O, Joe Cooley, uh, this is for the homies, Everlasting Bass. It's all going to be here. So we're going to listen to two classic songs and stay tuned because at the very end of the show, we're going to play uh, uh, some new music and a new video by my brother Rodney O. So stay yeah. tuned. We'll be back. Welcome back, everybody, to Rodeo Radio, and I'm here with my special guest. And without further ado... We're going to get back into it, okay? Uh, uh, really quick, if some of you guys heard of my mic reverie, for some reason we've been having technical difficulty with this mic. New mics are on the way, so please uh, bear with me. So so now, these are my beats is out. Everlasting bass mm -hmm. is banging uh, in the clubs pretty much everywhere. At what point did you end up meeting Joe Cooley, the king of scratch? Or how did you end up? I I uh, went in and did I believe one session of Everlasting Bass, and at that time my manager came in. He said, "Man, I seen this cat scratching for Kid Frost when we did. I it was Egyptian Lover, I think Kid Frost did a show in Phoenix, and I didn't I didn't see Joe, but my manager at that time did, and uh." He's like, man, if you ever need somebody to scratch, there's this cat named Joe Cooley. He said, man, he was doing some shit I've never seen before. I'm like, okay, okay, um, go pick him up and bring him in. So I was in the studio, and he went and grabbed him and wow. brought him in. And he just started. He killed it so cold, man, that I incorporated his name in the, in the record. Otherwise, he wasn't going to be on it. It was my record. Wow. He didn't make the, I made the beat. Everything was laid. So right. matter of fact, he was, uh, I think 
right about that time, I think he might have became a K-Day mix master. But I remember going up there after the record was out and Joe came up to me and said, man, everybody love your record. I'm like, that ain't my record. That's our record. You know right, what I mean? Right. So, yeah, that's that's kind of crazy, man. Okay. Let me share with you when I met him. It, I want to say it was 1983, uh, and I must have been about 13 or 14 years old. Um, was he on the radio at that time? Or no, he was not. What happened was this. It, it's a funny story. My brother's DJing at a club. You might have heard about it uh, in Long Beach. It had three different names at, at one different times. When I first went to it, it was called Noah's Ark. And then it was on the east side of Long Beach, and then it was called Infinity, and then it was called Grand Central Station. Yeah, okay. I remember that. Well, my brother was DJing there, and back in the day, he would have me as his uh, quote-unquote breaker, meaning when he goes, <laughs> takes a break, takes a piss or something. You would fill in. I would fill in. So one day, this guy shows up with a big-ass afro, okay? And I'm looking at him, and he said, hey, man, let me spin. Now, today, a lot of people don't know what spin is. Right. Let me DJ, let me get down. And I told my brother, hey, there's a guy over there, the guy with the big afro, you know. Uh, um, that would never happen in these days. But right. Go ahead. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, um, so he said, uh, um, he said, who is he? He said, uh, who are you? And he goes, I'm Joe. And he goes, he says his name's Joe. So I'm like the middle man. He goes, well, let him in. So uh, I opened the door because the DJ booth was kind of up high. So, okay. so you had to walk up. So he gets in. And uh, he tells my brother, man, you know, if you don't mind, you know, let me go ahead and spin. And uh, my brother really needed to take a piss. And he didn't really truly trust me just yet. But so I said, um, I don't know if you want, let him. So my brother, being a hothead, always said, okay, man, but if you fuck up, I'm going to beat your ass. That's what he said. That's what he told him. And I'm looking at my brother. I was like, all right, all right. So and then he uh, he tells me, my brother tells me, go ahead and uh, get him whatever he wants as far as records is concerned. And he said, you got Let's Work by Prince. It had just dropped. That's what Joe asked. Yes. And I said, yeah, okay. So I grabbed him. He goes, you got another one? And I remember saying, what do you want too? You know, <laughs> I didn't get it. <laughs> right, right. You know? So, because uh, he was about to cold tear shit up. So and then my brother goes, what are you going to do with two? And, he, and Joe looks at my brother <laughs> and he goes, man, I'm not sorry, bro. Just let me do my thing. You know? Joe said that? Yeah. He goes, Just let me do my thing. And he said, all right, I'll be back. I'm going to go take a piss. So as he walks down, Joe turns down the music, he literally turns down the music, and he started started going, whack, 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 He just fuck. He's killing. It's like never seen that. I've never seen anything like that before, man. Yeah, yeah. My brother runs back, and he goes, what the fuck was that? And Joe was all scared, and he goes, I was just cutting it up. He goes, that shit was hard. Do it again. <laughs> yeah that was my introduction to joe and ever since yeah. then joe uh if you remember artist yeah uh, of course joe eventually ended up bringing artist uh and then we started having like what we call the mix master fridays joe artist and then he would bring m walk uh uh then uh that's where i met dj speed who ended eventually ended up going to the nwa right uh was aladdin around there no, Aladdin wasn't around yet, but I remember us seeing Aladdin uh, at a concert, and it was so funny because we would always say, "That's like Little Joe," you yeah, know? yeah, just like Little he, Joe. Yeah, he, he was he was called with it. Man. And I remember I had such a close relationship with Joe that every once in a while he would call me, and uh, I would pick up the phone, and he goes, "I want you to listen to this," and he goes, 
yeah. and I'm yeah. like, what the fuck was that? And he goes, I'm gonna do I mean, that he Friday. was he was literally the only DJ I knew that whatever sound you could make with your mouth, he could do. Like a lot of our records, it's like I would sing out the scratch and he would hit it perfect. To me, like like I tell a lot of people, he was like the Jimi Hendrix song on, yes, on, the, on yes. the turntable. And, and and especially being left-handed, it always made it seem like he was playing almost like a guitar. Like Yeah, you know? I mean, especially because of the rhythm. He wouldn't just scratch. It's the it's the patterns that he would do. It, it, you know what I mean? Exactly. And like if you listen to the, the, the me and Joe um, record, I mean, the scratches, man, are just, they don't even make no sense, man. You know, uh, now see if you remember this. Now, all all you Harbor area cats, this is this is for you. There was a time uh, that you were booked. You, Joe. Now, I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but we'll come back. And General Jeff, mm. we're here in the city of Carson at a hall called San Marica Hall, uh, of a two twenty third in Avalon. Now, I know you remember it by this, because Joe was already up there. General Jeff was hyping up the crowd, and General Jeff said this, and I never heard anybody <laughs> say this about another DJ. Y'all ready to see the best DJ in the world? And Joe was transforming Rock the Bells, okay? Then you go up there, and I guess you didn't like the feedback on the mic, and you dropped the mic on the floor and walked out, and we didn't get to see you. Uh, I did some diva shit. Yeah, I, I don't know if you remember that. No. I, I remember know. the promoter. He was a friend of mine, <laughs> and he was hurt. I'm going to sue him. <laughs> No, I don't remember that. Yeah, I'm gonna sue. Him. I never. I, I didn't come back. No, you didn't come back. You didn't wow, come back. Man. So, and and I tell you what, man, I, I was because NWA actually performed there as well in '87, and, and this is when Q was actually still in school. In Arizona. Was just, yeah. So this was just Dre, Easy, Ren, and those guys. And my friend actually still has footage of that. Wow. Yeah. He's holding on to. It. He goes, "I'm waiting for Dre to make me an offer." So cool. Yeah, okay. Keep so, waiting. Yeah. Keep waiting. So, um, so here's what happened now. Everlasting Bass is out. You meet Joe. Uh, and I know if I'm correct, uh, uh, the song's called Your Chance to Rock. Is that what it's called? On side B. Yeah, yeah. That was made after These Are My Beats. Or maybe no, it was, right at the same time. It, it was on side B of Everlasting Bass. Yeah. The 12-inch. It was, yeah. Yeah. Damn. And that was when Joe, the world started to Got, yeah. got a chance to hear Joe on vinyl now. Right. You know, and I remember he told us, uh, I'm going to be going to San Francisco with Rodney. Uh, we'll be, <laughs> I'll be back. I'm going to try to come back in time to do the show here on Friday in Long Beach. So, and he did. He made it back. And I remember that's when, uh, I think, if I'm correct, artists had a, either a Mercedes or IROC, and it was white with all these gold leaf, uh, green, candy apple graphics. Yeah, like, it was a... Uh, uh 300ZX, I believe. Okay. I mean, he had, he had some pimped out ass yeah, cars, yeah, man. Yeah, he did. He you know? Did. He did. But, and that's when Joe eventually started wearing the, the Fila, you know, sweatsuits. And then I saw him with the Finger Wave, No More Pro. Oh, By yeah. the way, I don't give a damn what anybody says. The Finger Wave was some shit back then. That was dope. Oh, yeah, back then. Yeah. You know, because that was your guys' image. Right. You know? But now, whose idea was that? Was it, let's get Finger I was wave. copying Joe, man. For real? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Him and artists would roll up, man, in them Z's, man, with the candy paint and and fifteen inch subs in the back, and 
you know, waved up. I'm like, oh man, let me go get my hair done. Man. Back then, when you when you heard those cars with those subs, man, you could hear them from fucking blocks away. Oh yeah, yeah. Ooh. My uncle used to, uh, my uncle used to wait out on the porch. I'd tell him, hey, Joe's coming by and his friend, and he just grab his beard, man, and go out on the porch, and he they on their way. They come, they, he could hear them from blocks you could away. Hear them it blocks was, away. yeah, that was that was amazing I, back then. I mean, back the way back in the day, you could fucking hear a car turning around the corner. You get fucking goosebumps, boom, yeah, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, man, it was, yeah, yeah. That's what it was all about. Yeah, man. that's dope, man. So now that twelve inches out. Uh, um, did you guys start touring or start doing shows immediately, or was it when the yeah, album dropped? Yeah, it, it happened immediately. I okay. had been doing shows anyway with Egypt, and then, okay. then from these on my beats, like I've never stopped to this day. It's, okay, it's all I do. What, what about um, uh, when did General Jeff come into the picture? Jeff came in before the album was made. Mm -hmm. um, he was with uh, Bobby Jimmy, and I let him hear Everlast and Bass, and you know, I just brought, you know, back then, man, I didn't care how a hit came to be, as long as it came to be, I didn't care who was in there or whatever, and he was real helpful, man. Wow, that's dope, that's dope. So now, um, on the first album, who did the, 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 the production on it? Was it one person, two people? It was me. Just all you. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even know I was a producer back then, because to me, um, sampling and putting other people's records in your, I didn't look at it like I was a producer. Right. I was just doing what sounded good. So I didn't look at it like I'm, I'm producing this record. I was just doing it, man. I was a producer, but I didn't look at it like that. Right. And plus, everybody thought Joe did it because Joe was a DJ, and every, you know everybody affiliates producers with DJing. So well, I didn't care, right, you know right. what I'm saying? But, you know, um, it just wasn't important to me, you know what I'm saying, for, for me to be out there as a producer. Okay. Now, uh, what would you say during that time? What, what did you use to create that? Turntables, 808 drum machine, Matrix 12. Matrix 12. That's it. Nothing now, else. Now, let me ask you this. When you used the 808 drum machine, did it come naturally to you or did you have it? No, no. To me, it was fucking hard, bro. It was hard, but when you got Egypt right there helping you. There you go. You know, and then plus, you know, back then, I mean, I got the hang of it. I mean, I, it was hard for me to do patterns and stuff like that. Like, even on Everlasting Bass, you can tell I stopped the drum machine and started it with my own hands. So it wasn't programmed, didn't right. it? Right. You know what I mean? And, um... So Egypt would help me with a lot of that, but Egypt was doing his own thing back then. He just let me go in and do it. I he I think he said, "Here's ten thousand dollars, make you an album." Ten thousand dollars? Yeah, make you a, go make, go make your album. Now, wh wh where was that album recorded? That Skip Sailors. All of it? Yeah, I think Skip Sailors and some of it might have been Echo Sound in Glendale. Glendale, yeah, yeah. But wow. most of it, I say, all of it was done. Me and Joe album, yeah, it was all Skip Sailor. Wow, it was all that, Skip that's Sailor. fucking dope, man. See, now I'm learning something because you said uh, um, the the Oberheim, if I'm correct, and uh, 808. It was 808, Matrix 12, maybe the Jupiter 8 on some, but I don't think so. Mm -hmm. And and samples and turntables, that's it, that's it. <laughs> and a Lindrum, and okay. a Lindrum on a couple of songs. Did you write all your lyrics? Oh yeah. Yeah, back then there wasn't no thing about anybody else writing. No, no ghost writing. Nah, it wasn't none of that. 
Okay. None of the features weren't even thought of then, you know? To you, me, if you had a feature, you was cheating. That's true. You know what's funny? Because uh, LL Cool J said something on Twitter, um, I think last year, and a lot of people took offense to it, which, you know, today we live in a generation that they say, I don't give a fuck, but they're sensitive to everything. They get their feelings hurt so fucking fast. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, um, LL Cool J said, my first album went double platinum and had no features. That's what he said. Right away, what are you trying to say? What are you trying to... I mean, it's, it's easy what he's trying to say. And I get it. Don't get me wrong. But right. it's like, hey, man, if I can get some of these young cats and get a million followers within two months, I would do it, too. I ain't going to lie to you. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, back then, back in them days, you had to be friends. I mean, really friends with somebody to have somebody be featured on your record. Just Not just because they had a hit record. You're like, oh, I want them on my record. Yes. Right. He, right. he wasn't doing that. T today, feature records, they're like compilations now, really. Uh, I, I wouldn't even say that. i say it's more like he got three million followers. I, I need half of that. <laughs> I need half of them. So get on my shit. So that way your your fan base can join my fan base and I can make more bread. And I'm not mad about it. I'm just saying right, that's, of course. that's how it is now. At, at, at the height of your career... What, what, what were some of the other groups that you might have performed with? Because I know that you performed with countless people, but some that may come to your mind that... Man, I've performed with Mariah Carey, New Kids on the Block. Uh, man, so many different... I mean, I mean, because back then, I mean, it was popular music. You know right, what I mean? Right. So just like uh, how 21 Savage could probably share the stage with well, maybe Lady Gaga or something like that. I Britney don't know. Spears or somebody. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It was yeah. like that back then. If your record was hitting, you don't know who you're hitting the stage with. And I didn't care. You know right. what I'm saying? We we've we've hit the stage with everybody. Uh um yeah, everybody. Like I said, New Kids on the Block, Mariah Carey, uh man, so many people. Tower of Power, uh Will to Power, uh, anybody, man. Anybody. Wow, what would be the longest that you were, you would say that you were probably on the road for? I think the longest at one time that I was on the road for was maybe a month, and I was fucking dying to come home, man. A, a lot of cats don't realize that. Yeah, you're having fun, and yeah, you're making money, but it's also work, you know. Yeah, um, we would go out like sometime on like promotional tours where we hit radio stations and stuff like that. So maybe a couple weeks. Um, okay. But we would always, you know, do two or three shows, come back home, be home three, four days, and go back out on the road. Go That's how on. it's always been since right. the beginning. Right. Okay. Okay. Now, let me ask you a DJ question. Was there ever anybody on the road, man, I want to go heads up with your DJ, man? Never. Never, huh? You know, it was funny. My one time, Joe was cutting it up at my brother's club, uh, the club where he used to DJ at. And he was cutting it up so fucking cold <laughs> that my brother got on the microphone. If there's anybody in here that wants to come up, I got $100. Come up here and get your head cut off. Right, Nobody. right. Nobody. No, Nobody. no. Not back then, man. Joe, Joe was a beast, man. I mean, he's just, he's yeah. just a, a monster on them turntables. Now, the, I've it, never seen, to this day, I mean, I still see it. Don't get me wrong. There's some cold cats out there. Right. But the rhythm that he has, man. Yes. It's just, he's like a guitar player on the turntable. Now, if you ask me, 
if somebody were to say, okay, what made Joe so different from DJs today? I remember one time I wouldn't take a break and he was up there by himself, cutting and scratching. And he had the dance floor packed. He was playing Body Talk by The Deal, mm -hmm. break, and like, and this guy was so damn dope that it was like if it was an instrument while he was scratching and people yeah. were dancing while he was still scratching. Yeah. Today, people just stop and don't look at somebody. Right, right. But he he could keep the beat and, you know, you don't, you don't miss a beat. You don't miss a beat. Yeah. You don't miss a beat. And his blending was dope. Everything yeah, that was, was dope. That was, I mean, the only person I've seen, though, better than Joe as far as keeping people on the dance floor was Egyptian Lover, man. I mean, he... He, the way he cut, man, and the way he mixed, right, was just flawless, man. It's like you would think it was recorded, you know. Wow. What I mean, the way he got down, and Egypt was a master at that. Like Joe, he's more of a show showman DJ, right. where Egypt could keep the place going and keep you on beat. Now I'm gonna ask you a question that I want to know. Uh, when Joe went to the New Music Seminar in. Uh, uh, New, York. New York to battle cash money from Philadelphia. Did you go? No, I wasn't there. Okay. No. I, he had told me about it and then he took off and then somebody had called me. I remember I was at my uncle's house and uh, somebody called me and said, man, they just robbed your boy. They just robbed your boy. I didn't know what they was talking about. I thought somebody really got robbed. I'm like, what, what, what are you talking about? They, uh Somebody they 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 robbed Joe from the from the seminar, you know, and I, that that cut him, man. Right, right. <laughs> cut him deep, and uh, yeah, man. But uh, you know, um, everybody went up to him afterwards. You know that right. that that was a cold thing. But you know that was that you know that was New York's thing, man. That you know what New I'm York's saying? Thing. That's their baby, so they don't yeah. want nobody from outside coming. No. You know, they, they don't like it now. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? They don't. I don't like it now. Now, okay. Uh, before I get to my next question, my question to you is, when you finally talked to him after that battle, what was his reaction to you, if you remember? Um, I would say pissed off and hurt, man. <laughs> pissed off and hurt, bro. Because he knew. It was serious. Yeah, because everybody, because, you know, people was booing, and I think it was either Chuck D or Flavor Flav came up. Man, you won that shit, man. But, you know, every, you know, it was, it was, you know, it was like the Olympics boxing, man. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. When it's like, oh, come on, man. But, you know, what could you do? Did, did you ever see the tape? Uh, yeah, I did, but it was so horrible. It, it, was, it was. Now, I got to see the tape. I knew how Joe got down, so I could, right. there's no way I could imagine anybody, especially back then. Especially there, I'm back like, there's no way. Yeah. I don't care what he did. He, I know he didn't beat you. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Because uh, you know, I'm out on the road with Joe every weekend seeing what he does live. Right, so right. I know what he does. And if anybody could beat that, Joe in his prime, right. Uh, Nobody when when I saw the tape back then, I actually saw a good clean copy. Of course, I walked away same thing. It, it was fucking highway robbery. That title belongs in the West Coast. That belt belongs. Yeah, in the he did get down though. Yeah, but it. it yeah. yeah, I mean, and I have yet to meet someone that told that tells me to my face because I know a lot of DJs. Joe Loss. No one has ever told. No, me no, that. ain't nobody. Gonna so, tell you that. so now. Uh, the question that I wanted to ask you, he leaves New York. You guys come out with an album 
called Fuck New York. Okay. Yeah, way later on. Yeah. yeah. What, what inspired that or what brought that up? Um, at that time, man, I, for one, we didn't have no record deal. I, was, I knew I was going to put it out myself, spend my own money. And I said, I need a boost, man. I need, <laughs> I need, I need people to know about this record. So I said, okay, I don't have the money to put into it like I want to. Right. I'm gonna call the album "Fuck New York." And plus, back then I felt like if you're not gonna like me, I'm gonna give you a reason not to like me because I feel we was being hated on for no reason. You know, they was playing the Easy videos and the NW, and we never got that MTV Rap right. City love, or you know what I'm saying. So right. I'm like, okay, if you're not gonna like me, I'm gonna give you a reason. Okay. Now, now you're not fucking with me. I understand it because this is what I said, but it wasn't toward the people. It was actually what's Making weird. A statement? Yeah, yeah. Actually, what's weird is New Yorkers are some of the realest cats there is, man. Yeah, they don't like you. Right. They're gonna tell you to where out right. here they'll act like they're friends with you to the end. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And New York, if they don't like you. They're gonna tell you, bro, yeah. to your face. So, yeah. but it was the record company that had me feeling that way because i was on atlantic with kwame and hmm. queen latifah and they was just giving them all the love and we got none now, and it, you know it pissed me off now now would you agree that back then new york wasn't playing west coast records no nah, they weren't playing but they liked them but no nah, hell no they weren't playing but we was playing the hell out of their records yes yes and you know kind of Kind of pissed me off, especially when they give you a hard time about playing your new stuff and you're right. from the town. Right. You know what I mean? Um, right. But, you know, what can you do, man? After a while, you just got to yeah. let it go. Okay. See, and that's what I thought. That's why you guys named that album Fuck New York. Yeah, it was totally for the shock value, man. Okay. I understand that back then. Plus, I'm like, I'm putting this out on my own label. I need people talking about this record. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, did you... Or Joe ever get any uh, like um, bad negative feedback because? Oh yeah, of you know of course. You okay. know we on the road with New York dudes and you know they over there you know you know but they wasn't gonna do nothing because we were totally with the business back then. Okay. Because you know, I when I put that out, I knew what was what was, was coming. Yeah. So, okay. You know whatever. You That's know cool. you young and dumb, you don't care. Dope, dope. Well, I'm glad I'm getting these stories because there's some of these things that I've been wanting to ask you because I've always lo loved you guys' album covers. Always. Yeah, yeah. Especially, uh, I think it was the Everlasting Bass 12-inch where you got that white hat. Yeah, you got the Bonavent Bonaventure, man. And, Bonaventure. and we went back for the F New York album on that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And then the, the album, actually, you guys had uh, All Stonewash. If I'm yeah, correct, yeah, yeah, that was a shit. Bought back from then. the uh, Slauson and Compton swap meet. Bought from Slauson and I, I, shoot, I remember when I shot my uh, confession. When I shot my first album cover, I was so fucking to the curb. Like honestly, I remember they told us we're gonna have a photo shoot tonight uh, in the <laughs> industrial part of uh, downtown LA. I remember I made myself a bologna sandwich and I went across the street to my homies. And I told him just like this, hey, dude, I need to borrow some of your Ben Davis. I need to borrow some of your Nike Cortez. I need to borrow a white T-shirt and like a Pendleton or something. We're taking pictures today for the album. Yeah, yeah. We hadn't gotten our first check yet. Right. Yeah, my A, man. I get it. And, I and, get it. And then the photographer wanted us to to bust poses like this and like, you know. Right. It was this, wine, this lady, you know. So uh, I said, nah, we don't want to do that shit. I said, and so <laughs> we looked at a, a rock hill that was there and we were like, let us climb that shit. 
So me and Heisey went up and we just sat down. And that was our album cover. Yeah. You know, yeah, we, it's, we, it's always the pictures that you don't think are going to be like, you know, back then they're clicking and you're like, man, why are we doing this shit? This yeah. shit ain't going to, and it wind up being that picture you think, you know yes. what I mean? Yes. Now, okay. This is a question and, and we'll, we'll touch on it a little bit, uh, but we'll continue after our break. But this is a question that a lot of people ask and they always ask me. Uh, especially since they know I know Joe and they know I know you. And uh, this is coming from a DJ's, producer's, fan's perspective question. Um, maybe in a nutshell, uh, if you care to elaborate, what happened to you and Joe that you guys ended up going your separate ways? Um, it, it, it just gets, it gets to a point, man, to where when you get older, I'm not finna argue with no grown-ass man. And... You got to do your job at the end of the day. So when I get done rapping, you fucking scratch. If you don't do that, why am I paying you, bro? What 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 am I, you know, I'm saying it's like if you go see Van Halen and Eddie Van Halen ain't hitting the solos, <laughs> what are you doing, bro? You know what I'm saying? So, you know, and um so that's it. I mean, I still got love for the dude, but we just can't get along, man. We can't get along. Okay. And, and I'm at an age to where I'm not going to have no grown man talking to me any type of way, right. and I'm going to accept it. Of course. Absolutely. Like I told Joe, man, it's harsh, but I told him, I can do a show without you. Okay. You can't do one without me, bro. Right. So harsh reality, I win. You know what I'm saying? And and it sounds harsh and it's cold, man, but it's the truth. So it's therefore truth. don't don't you can't come at me sideways, bro. Regardless of, of how you think the business went down or what you think or who's telling you what or whatever. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. And you know, that's it. Okay, now let's just say that I wasn't a friend of yours or a friend of his, and I'm just a fan off the street listening to this. Uh, this is what I would think. Because us fans, we love you guys so much that, believe it or not, and I'm sure to a certain extent you know this, it hurts the fans. It really, truly does. Yeah, I know. It's a peanut butter and jelly thing. It's like you can't say one name without the other. And I get all that, man. I get all that. But at the end of the day, peace of mind and not getting into it with a grown-ass man. You know what I'm saying? Right. To have peace of mind and peace in my life and not be dealing with no bullshit and hearing somebody talk to me crazy. Right. I'm going to roll with that every time. Right. All good. Here's the way I see you guys, knowing you guys, that you guys are like two brothers that uh, argue and, you know, it's kind of like me. And my yeah, I, I hear that a lot, too, man. But it's almost like, OK, motherfucker, go get back with your ex-girlfriend then. You, you know what I'm saying? Of course. Of course. <laughs> go do, go get with your, your, your you know, your ex-wife or whatever. Tell right. me how that worked out. Y'all try it again. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I don't, you know, I get it. But right. at the same time, it's like, I'm about my mind, bro. And once you start fucking with my head yes. and, and I'm arguing with a grown ass man, mm. I can't do that, bro. Because after that, it's, it's. It's violence and it's everything that comes after that. Right. Okay. Okay. Now, I want to press pause right there. We're going to continue just a little bit of that after our break. And we're going to move on to 
uh, what you're doing now, your new music, your video, all gotcha. that good stuff. Gotcha. So once again, uh, call a friend, text a friend, page a friend, you know, slap a friend or whatever. Let them know that uh, Rodney O's in the building here with Tony A on Rodium Radio. And uh, we're going to continue with the gla classics and we're going to continue to sip it on some whiskey and stay tuned. Don't go nowhere. Okay. This is for the homies. Welcome back, everybody, to Rodium Radio. Without further ado, before we run out of time, I'm going to jump right back into this dope-ass conversation that we're having with my good friend Rodney O and Joe Cooley. Uh, before we went to break, you had mentioned that um, that there was bickering, there was arguing uh, between, and I'm going to say it, between two brothers. Now, um, was, was that always the case from the very beginning? No, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, uh, nah, it, nah. It was everything was you know when 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 everybody's riding high, it's cool, man. But when you start hitting them dips, right? That's when you know who's down with you and you know who's not. And I'm not saying that um, Joe's a bad guy. Got love for him and all that, man. It's just that you know I can't bicker, right? With I can't bicker with a grown man. You know what I'm saying? Right, I just right. can't do it. All good. You know, I was sharing with you earlier that on Sunday, out of all days, because I hadn't talked to Joe, possibly going on a year. Uh, Sunday morning, I get up, I go to the market, go buy some Mexican bread, some coffee, come <laughs> back home, you know, so I can watch football. Right. And I get a phone call. And on my phone, it says, Joe Cooley, King of Scratch. That's the way I see him. Right. And I was like, that's what, what he is. That's I was like, is. what the fuck? So I answered it. Tony A, what's going on? And, and I, it just felt good to talk to him. And uh, so we started talking, and within the conversation, he said, man, I love O, because that's how he referred to you. I love O, man. I ain't got nothing against him, man. We had a good time, real good time. Then we had our bad time, but I don't have any unforgiveness towards him. Everything was all good and positive. And he didn't even know that you were going to be here. Mm -hmm. He didn't even know. If he did, then... Somebody must have told him or he saw the flyer or something. Right, right. Because, you know, I don't, I don't do this, man. Right. I don't, I don't exactly. do a lot of interviews. And I remember you told me that. You said, well, Tony A, I don't do no interviews, but I'll fuck with you. And that was like, hell yeah. Hell yeah. That, that shit was dope. So you get an exclusive Rodney O interview here on Rodium Radio. And uh, so we talked and Joe was telling me, you know what? I just want to come out and I want to start performing more. I'm looking at 2020. That's my year. So I just wish mm -hmm. them the best. We talked for maybe yeah, about 30 I, I, minutes. Hey, man, I wish him the best, too, because, you know, it's like the type of DJ he, he cold, man. But, you know, when you start second-guessing yourself and you're not putting yourself out there and you're not doing what you're supposed to do as a DJ, that's not my fault, bro. DJs make way more money than they used to. So right. that's not on me. Get out right. there. Do what you got to do. You know, right. you, you blow up. You, you help me. You know what I'm saying? So it's all good, man. Okay, let me ask you now, and this is coming from the fans. Uh, and even for me, I ain't going to lie. Even for me. Will we ever see a Rodney O. Joe Cooley on stage again? Uh, probably not. Probably not. Okay, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. As a fan, you make me want to cry, man. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't want to cry, goddamn. Um, probably not, man. I mean, you know, there's some there's some harsh feelings there. You know what I'm saying? And I get it. There's a lot of, you know, but it's like 
I'm doing the booking. I'm I'm making up the shows. I'm writing the records. I'm trying to keep money in our pocket. You can't come at me sideways, bro. I don't take that from nobody. Okay. I don't need nobody to make money. I make money for myself. And um, a lot of times, you know, people be like, ah, there's no show without without Joe. Yes, there is. Okay. Yes, there is. <laughs> I, I'm still going to do my thing. I gig down there every weekend. I still gets down. Uh, and I saw it. Uh, um, remember, I told you I was kind of discreet. I went to go see your OG mics a couple of weeks back. Original mics. And, yeah. and, and the, the flyer said on stage, Rodney O and Joe Cooley. So I yeah, went. Yeah, that wasn't my fault, man. I didn't tell them to do that. They did it. And that's the thing, too. I got a lot of like, oh, he using your I'm not using your name, bro. It's a lot of times I tell them it's just me. I bring Sir Jinx. And we gets down. But a lot of times they, they do it anyway. Right. Well, and I can't do nothing about Much it. love to Sir Jinx. I've been knowing Sir Jinx since 1987. So much love to him and respect to him. Now, I'm going to twist your arm just a little bit. So please forgive me. Uh, and this will be my, my last question about this subject. Okay. If I had to twist your arm and ask you, what would it take to see you guys back together and do more shows? What would it take? I, I I really don't know okay. because I mean um we we've we fell out before and then got back and 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 um he'll say you know hey I, I apologize you know it's like I don't care what you say it's about how you act and what you do you can, you you can apologize I can apologize and all that but once something go wrong and I'm the bad guy again. I don't want to regurgitate all that bullshit, man. Right. You know what right. I'm saying? You know, I don't want to argue with niggas, man. Right. I don't want to do that because I know what comes next, at least for me. Right. And um, I'm just not with all that. In my 20s, I could take it. Right. I'm 53, bro. I can't, I can't do that. Right. Okay. Okay. You know, us Latinos, we love candles. We like candles. You know, you know, <laughs> sometimes we, we, we'll go to the market and they'll have like Jesus candles on special. Okay, one day, and I hope it's soon, they're going to have a Rodney O and Joe Cooley candles, you know, St. Joe, St. <laughs> Rodney, the everlasting, you know, base, you know, I mean, that's how we see you guys. All right. All right. So. I get it. Hey, man, if it wasn't for the Latino community, man, we, I, I, I'd probably be a uh, garbage man or something, man. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Can one, you say that a little bit louder? No, nah, I mean, it's real, man. One thing I, I tell quick this, I tell yin yang twins, and these are all my peoples, man, that I, I, I really fuck with. I'm like, when you have a hit record with the Latino community, I don't care how old it is. It's like it was out yesterday. With blacks, they don't care, man. They looking for the new new. Right. They don't. They they'll be ah oh, man. They old. Um, get that shit out of here. You know what I'm saying? Right. Of course. And um, yeah. So I mean, when I when I do my shows, there's blacks there, but they're bartenders and security, bro. That's it. That's it. Oh. That's dope. Well, I, I agree with that one, 100%. I told Quick one time, I said, I said, look, all these shows that we're doing, I said, all Mexicans, Latinos, you know, Guatemalans, yeah. whatever, everybody's out there. I said, you need, maybe you need to change that song, Sweet Black Pussy, to Sweet Brown Pussy, homie. Right, right. You know? Something on. So, anyway, that's just me. So, I'm throwing that out there quick. So, anyways, uh, so now, 
you and Joe move on. You wish him the best. Uh, you've been doing shows ever since. Uh, I know Jinx is now in the picture. If I'm correct, he's been DJing for you for the last three years. Probably a little longer than that. Joe was actually with me even when Joe was around, but but Jinx would come out and be in the front with me. He'd help him on the technical side. Um, and Jinx is amazing, man. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Um, I Cole, agree. Cole producer, he, he plays devil's advocate. He don't care if I might not like something, he going to say something. Well, and I respect that. Jinx, to me, when it comes to the West Coast, I would say he's probably one of my top five West Coast producers. You know, because of the body of work that he has done. Uh, and I think that it's sad that I don't think he's getting the, the love and the credit that he should get. Yeah, it will come, though. I mean, him more than me because, I mean, for one, he's in straight out of company. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, um, He does a lot of interviews. And, hey, man, he's just jinx, man. Yeah. Cold cat, yeah. man. Funny cat, too. Yeah, definitely yeah. that. Did, did you ever know or work with easy drain those guys back then never worked with them but just always seen them you know i uh -huh. stayed in woodland hill so we go to fridays who's in there easy totally. you know what i'm saying um i'm driving down ventura boulevard 850 pulls up it's easy we pull over we chop it up i go to easy's all i mean me and easy was cool man it's just um you know, I don't put a lot of that stuff out there, but I know all these cats, man. I mean, Dre, I'm cool with Dre. I mean, it's not like we talk or anything like that, but Easy, I was real cool with. I was about to sign with um, Ruthless Records, actually, um, wow. after after You Don't Hear Me, though. Wow, wow. Now, I remember when You Don't Hear Me, though, came out. Who produced that song? Joe. Joe did. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, was that... Um, was that the only song, that, or did he do? Uh, uh, you know, he did. Um, he did. You don't hear me though. He did a lot of the stuff on the F New York. Cause I even told him, you know, I'm like, bro, I don't want to produce the records. If you can produce them, I, like I told you earlier in the interview, I don't care how the hit record come to be, as long as it's a hit record. I don't care who's involved. Right. You know what I mean? But um, Joe came with um, you don't hear me though, and uh. I told him about Humps for the Boulevard, what sample we wanted to use. He put it together, you know, on the SP-1200. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's hard to have a record that, I mean, you don't hear me, though, after Everlasting Bass was a lot of years, man. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And um, we was hungry, man. That, 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 that shit, I still bump that song. I mean, that still, to me, is a fucking classic. Uh, I, I would probably, this is just me as a DJ, I would probably have to put it neck to neck, nose to nose with Everlasting Bass. That's yeah. just me. Yeah, that's, that's you know? what, I mean, I, when I do the shows, those are the two I ended with, and I can switch them up, and it's still, it right. does, it doesn't still rock matter. it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Did, did you ever come out on uh, Yo and TV Raps, BET, any of those shows? We was on them, man, but they, they, they didn't treat us right, bro. I mean, I get it man you know what i'm saying um new york rap is their baby and they probably didn't even want to play nwa but they had to right you know what i'm saying so right. when it came to us above the law second and none blah they wasn't gonna give us that burn right you know right. what i'm saying and and that hurt us in our career as far as face recognition right and this and that but you know it is what it is man yeah. I, you know i'm not mad i ain't had to go get no job so i'm cool right then you guys came out, I think it was 1994, I think it was, or 92, uh, Get Ready to Roll? That was, 
92 yeah. nasty mix records. Uh, I remember we uh, were in Texas, uh, me, high C, quick, second to none. As a matter of fact, I got a picture out there. When we're all together, we took a picture all together. Uh, uh, matter of fact, this one right here. Okay. We were in, uh, <laughs> we were in, um, shit, Beaumont, Texas. Yeah, we was doing a tour in Texas, and everywhere we would go, they'd be like, quick, and them just left. Yes. You know what I mean? So, yeah. yeah. And all the mom and pa stores out there was playing, uh, get ready to roll. Uh, they had you guys' posters and everything. Yeah. And I remember uh, I was speechless when I talked to Joe, and he told me at, during that time, I want you to listen to a song called DJ's Nightmare. Uh, mm -hmm. And I said, okay, I'll listen to it. And at the very, very end, he said, I want to give a shout out to my boy, Tony A. Man, I was fucking blown away, dude. Is that on there for That's real? on there. That's hey, on there. Hey, bro, I don't even remember. Yes. I don't even remember. That's that's tight. Yeah, yeah so I mean, Joe's loyal to the soil, man. He's loyal to all the DJs that he helped come up and that he had respect for, including uh, Tony G, Julio G, yes. uh, Ralph M, um, M Walk. Uh, DJ uh, Romeo, Kid mm. Cat, uh, all them cats, man. Okay. All okay. them cats. Well, for those of you who didn't know, look up that song, DJ's Nightmare by Rodney on Joe Cooley. I get, I get a shout out at He's the end. He's cutting on there, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. And uh, I don't even remember. On there. I don't even remember that song. So, so now, uh, uh, interesting question. Did you ever appear in any movies, any cameos? Any of you guys ever? Nah, not at all. No, <laughs> <laughs> not at all, man. I, I just, you know what, man? I've never been really into that, man. It's like, you know, like me and Jinx be talking all the time. It's like, man, um, or people will call me, you going to How the West was one, you going to, I'm like, look, bro, does Mick Jagger show up at Aerosmith's concert? Right. Does he be backstage walking around, eating up shit and Drinking on they drinking. I'm not gonna do that, bro. I don't. I don't really care. I mean, I go to them sometime. Right. You know, like I'll go if Quick bring me out. Sometime Quick will bring me out. Do everlasting right. bass. You don't hear me doing all that. But um, I don't, I don't care about that, bro. I don't need to be around people. I, I went to the How the West was one, and we saw the AMG Second to None Quick and everybody perform and uh, uh, exhibit. Uh, the licks, uh, mm -hmm. all them other guys were going to perform. We just laughed. We just like, we're cool. Because I already did shows. I already, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. game was to Snoop was to come on. And I'm like, you know what? Not to diss them, but I was like, I'm good. Right. You know, I get it. I get you it. Know. I talk. Matter of fact, after that show, I called quick. I was like, how'd it go? Give me the rundown. It's like, we killed it. I'm like, yeah, you always do. One thing I told quick, I was like, you know, you do a lot of shows, but. Every time you do a show, some of them people, they ain't never going to see you again, bro. Right. So you got to do your thing. And he does it every time. Quick is cold, man. Yeah. Yeah. He, well, he, he I, gets it in. I don't take that away from him, you know, away from any of those guys. Uh, uh, I was telling High C because I had interviewed him a couple of weeks back. And I told him, when I first heard you rap, I didn't even like your shit. Who, you High know? C? High C, when I first heard Now, keep in mind, he was 16 years old. Right. Okay. And he came over to my house. He was going to Centennial High School. And he came, and I, and I was sharing his story with him. Like, I'm going to share with something with you that you didn't even know about yourself. So he had a song called I'm Hard. And I told Steve, because Steve Yano is the one who introduced us, you know. And I uh -huh. went back and I told Steve, I don't think he was that hard. He had a song called I'm Hard, <laughs> right. you know. So High C calls me up. 
And he tells me, I'm performing at uh, my school centennial. Would you come and DJ for me? So I said, I don't give a shit. I'm not doing nothing anyway. So we drove out there, took, took my servant Vegas, my turntables, my mixer. And here's what won me over about him. His interaction with the crowd. Yeah, not only that, High C's voice is... Like, when you hear him come on, you know that's hot. Yes. See, and to me, that's dope, man. You know what I'm uh -huh. saying? A lot of dudes, you know, just like back in the day, man, when Run DMC's new record would come on before they even said anything. Yeah. You knew it was them yeah. because yeah. of the producer or whatever, you know, and High C just got that voice, man. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what I, that's what won me over was his performance and interaction with the crowd. So now, uh, me observing some of you guys' credits, because I was one of those DJ fans that, you know, back in the day... You read everything. You, you read, read everything. the whole... Everything the, from the, the manufacturing black, to everything. the... Yeah. So now, a couple of times you mentioned Vanilla Ice. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, what was your connection with him? Um, in, what was it, 90... 91 or 92, we did the Get Ready to Roll album. And I had a manager at that time that was out of New York. And Vanilla Ice had said in either Ride On magazine or one of them popular ones back then, right. I'm a Rodney Owen Joe Cooley fan, blah, blah, blah. So I told my manager at that time, I said, man, get in touch with him. I know you're probably working on his new record. Hmm. I want to fuck with him. Yeah. Produce his record. And uh, he reached out to Vanilla Ice and... Yeah, we flew out to Miami. And that's where we did the You Don't Hear Me No video. Wow. In, at at Vanilla Ice's house. We stayed there for about two months working on, working on his record, chilling. Yeah, wow. it, was, it was tight. That's still my boy to this day, man. Like, um, last show he did, I was supposed to come out and do 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 a couple of songs, but something held me back from doing it. But um, Wow. Yeah, me and, me, me and Vanilla Ice, cool to this day. He's still balling, man. He's That's still cool. doing this. I, and he can actually rap, man. You you write a rap for him, he going to deliver it. Right, right. You know, and people was mad at, why are you doing this shit? He wrote a check. Yeah, he wrote a check. Yeah, exactly. why, why wouldn't I do it? You know what I'm saying? So, right. Um, yeah. That's yeah. dope. Now, now, let me ask you this. This is kind of a off-the-wall question. I saw this question in a movie uh, years ago. I think it was called My Fellow Americans. Um God, I forgot the guy's name, but one of them was Jack Lemon. So there were two presidents that were no longer presidents, mm -hmm. and they were friends. And these two presidents asked each other, when you were in the White House, who was somebody that you wanted to meet? So one guy said, I wanted to meet Nelson Mandela, and the other president asked the other president, who was the person you wanted to meet? And from that perspective, I never saw it. Like, I wonder if there's ever any artist that thinks to themselves, man, I wish I could meet so-and-so. Was there ever anyone... That you said, man, I wish I could meet this guy. Maybe a rapper, a producer. You know what? Yeah, but I met him. Who who was that? Egypt. Okay. Egypt. I mean, I'm standing in Riverside. I'm listening to K Day, but Riverside's not close to LA. Right. So you could only hear it at night. Yeah. For a little while. Yeah. It would come in clear. And Egypt, Egypt's on my beat goes boom. I mean, come on, man. These yeah. are like, of course, you know what I'm saying? And I met that dude when he came to, you know, so everybody who there's there ain't no dream motherfuckers I want to meet, bro. I already met him. Okay. Fuck with him and did my own thing. That's awesome, bro. That's awesome. There were two people, one I met and one I haven't met. One of them was, uh, 
Of course, I was a huge fan of the world-class wrecking crew, the whole electro-funk movement. One of them was Dr. Dre, okay? And when I met him, I met him at the damn swamp meet, you know? And he was there in Steve Yano's booth. Oh, I, let me let me take it back. Go ahead. I did meet Ron DMC at Roger Clayton's record shop. Hmm. And Russell had him come out here early on. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And um, there was two two girls I used to hang around with, and DMC loved one of them. He wanted hmm. to get with one of them. And, yeah. And he was, so he was being nice with me because I was friends with him. Yeah. But it was just kind of surreal to how big they was, but they was hollering at me. Wow. But not that I wanted to meet him or nothing like that. It's just happenstance. Yeah, you know what yes. I mean? But yeah, Run DMC, because Russell used to fuck with Roger Clayton and he would bring him out. So I met Run DMC way back when. And, you know, it's a trip because back then I'm, I'm like, what, 14, 15. I'm looking wow. at them like they 40 years old, 30 yeah, exactly. years old, but they was young. Exactly. But not to me. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. For, for me, one of them was Dr. Dre, and I met him, okay? So that's kind of mission accomplished. Today, people, you know, <laughs> they, mission they, they, people want to meet the billionaire, but I, I say, I knew when I, when he was broke, but I didn't know he was broke, but it didn't matter to and, me. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. We, I, we don't, we see, we don't care about that. Now it's everybody looking at, they looking at everybody's pockets. Bro. Yes. It's like, you know, you know, you in the club with somebody that got money and everybody's laughing because he got money. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't, I just yeah. don't get down. Like, I don't yeah. give a fuck. Bro. I see guys spending a $700 bottles. I'll go to BevMo and buy it for a one fifty. Right, right. I'm not looking at that like, oh, you know, I'm right. not bragging about that. That shit. My stupid. next person would be, and I hope I meet him soon because I don't know how much longer he has. Clean Eastwood. I grew up watching westerns with my dad, and Clean Eastwood to me was like, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watch. Yeah, if you're up late like I am, like I got some type of sleep disorder, so I'm uh -huh. always up late. And there's always the Clint Eastwood uh, yeah, uh, cowboy movie, and that shit's always interesting. Yeah, so that's one guy that I would like to meet. But now I'm going to switch the channel really quick. We're going to switch the station. I'm going to ask you something totally off the wall, which I only have asked Heisey, okay? Uh, uh, now, this may sound kind of weird, but just roll with me, okay? We're going we're gonna to get ready to roll. Uh, my question is to you, do you believe in paranormal activity? Uh, whether it be in haunted houses, whether it be in... Um, nah, but I believe in weird shit, bro. Because let me tell you something. I was doing a show in San Francisco. It was me, Stevie B, and I think uh, Will to Power. Will to Power, wow. I was the first one to go on. So the stage is up at least 15, 20 feet. It's time for me to go on. I got the mic and I just start walking to the front. It's dark as fuck, man. The light, the lighting is good, but I don't yeah. know what they're doing. And I'm walking and something just tells me to stop. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it was, but something. And I swear to God, man, my feet were like not even an inch away from the end of the stage. And this was, I think, right when dude with Heavy D and the boys, the dancer, had died from, yeah. from falling off the stage. And if I would have fell off that stage, I, I wouldn't be here, bro. If I, or if I did, I'd be a cripple. For sure, for sure. But something just told me to stop. Hmm. Okay. You know what I mean? And, and okay. it's like, it wasn't just 
I knew it was the end of the sex because I didn't. Right, right. And something just told me to stop. Okay. So, yeah, there's there's definitely, you know. Something out there. Something. I don't know what, okay. bro. Uh, you believe in Bigfoot? Hell no, man. What are you talking about? Okay. I, I'm asking because these are some of the off-the-wall questions. I asked High C, and he says, Tony, yes, I do believe in Bigfoot. Okay. You believe in alien abductions? Nah, but I believe in 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 the alien shit with all the all that flying shit. I don't know what the fuck that is. Whatever, as long okay. as they stay away, I don't care. All good, all good. Okay, um, uh, let me see. What was the last question I asked him? Do you believe in um, uh, like you know haunted houses? Um, nah. I mean, I, I'm with you, brother. I'm, nah, with I'm you. not really. I'm I, I'm not that dude, man. I, okay. You know. I just want the public to see a different side of you. That's why. Other nah, than just everlasting base, brother. See. That's all there is. That's okay. all there is. All good. All good. <laughs> now, what can people expect from Rodney O? I know you got some new music that we're going to be playing. Yeah. Um, I got new music. I just shot a video, which is hard for me to do, because every time I've shot a video, it just came out like shit. Hmm. Um, this one's cool. Um. I'm going into it with no expectations. It's like whatever happens, happens. Um, I'm going to try my best to push it and all that, but right. I don't care. It's like trying to outdo what you've done in the past, and I'm an older cat. This is a young man's sport. Um, I just don't know. Okay. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Interesting question I'm about to ask you. Do you still love music? Yeah, I love music. I just don't love the business or the people that's in it. Okay. I hate the people that's in it. Okay. It's it's, it's the worst people in the world in this business. There was a I did an interview not too long ago with uh, Soren Baker, and he asked me a question. Uh, you took an absence away from the music, and I said, "Yeah, uh, like about twelve years, I did. I I just disappeared. No social media, no yeah, nothing." Yeah. I, 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 me not even knowing you personally, I know you did that. Yeah. And he asked me, "Why did you do that?" And nobody had ever asked me that question. And I'll be honest with you. Uh, probably for, uh, can I answer it? Yes, sir. Probably for peace of mind. That was part of it. Absolutely. Yes. I, I, that was I, at, the top. at least 60, 70 percent. Yes, it. absolutely. And here's what I said. I, I fell out of love with music. I didn't like the business. Yeah. You know, I, I even said it, it. I felt that it was no different from the fucking dope dealing business. You know, um, so. It isn't. So, so now uh, uh, you got a song out. We got a video that we're going to play at the very end. Is there? Are we expecting an album as well? I'm gonna do an EP. An album's not necessary. Okay. Okay. I'm, I got um like six, seven songs. Um, uh -huh. I'm doing. I I have two videos. Uh -huh. One that's done that you'll be playing. Another one that's being edited, and another one I'm about to shoot. And um. I got six songs I'm going to put out and see what happens, you know, because, dude, it, like I said, it's a young man's sport. And anytime an older rapper put out, a, I don't care how good it is, they, they shoot it down. Like right. if Jay-Z or 21 Savage or anybody came out with this same record, it'd be the best shit since sliced bread. But they're going to shoot it down because I'm an older nigga. 
Right. I and I get it. Of course. I, it's, I'm cool, but I'm still going to push my line. And, and um, it doesn't matter anyway because I'm still going to do shows. Right. I'm still right. going to be me. So whatever. Well, I heard the track. You showed it to me earlier, and I loved it. I'll be honest. I still spin, okay? I played because the first thing that came to my mind was strip club, nightclub. I saw people dancing. And that's usually how I see music. And I learned that from my boy, Greedy Greg. Uh, I used to play him tracks and he would never bob his fucking head and it would bother me right. because I didn't know if he liked it or not. Right. And I was like, what the fuck are you thinking? And he was like, well, you know what? I want to see if I can, can I hear it on the radio? Can I hear it in the club? Can I hear it in the, hear it in the strip club? Yeah. You know, in other words, how can I sell it? Right. Yeah. You know? That's, that's what he's on. He's not doing, he's not looking at it personally. He's looking at it if it'll work. And that, and, and that's one thing too about even like the me and Joe album. It's like a lot of those songs. I can't say that I like personally. I just knew what would work. What would work? Dope, dope. Okay, so uh, we can expect this song on all platforms eventually? Yeah, yeah. You guys, I mean, I wasn't expecting to play it today, but, you know, I wanted you to check it out because I respect you as being who you are. Thank you. And, um, you know, you'll be the first to debut, and I want people to let me know what they think about. If you think it's whack, say it's fucking whack. I don't care. Yeah, well, we're going to get into that video after your classic song, uh, it'll be the last video, or actually the last song. Uh, we're playing two songs. It'll be the second song. And uh, for those of you that hear it, they see the video, leave a comment. Honestly, I don't give a shit if, if you say it's whack, dump it. If it's dope, then dope. I don't care. But leave a comment and let us know what you guys think. Yeah. Give us some feedback. Yeah, yeah. That shit would be dope. Uh, to me, I heard, I heard it. And first thing I imagined was girls' ass cheeks clapping. It's a it's a real clapper. So if you got ass cheeks and if you want to clap them, <laughs> hey, this one is for you. Oh, I my can God. see this in the club. Okay, I'm dead serious. Since twerking's in, here we go. Uh, he said twerking is in. Exactly. So he, he, check this out. After these two songs, please stay tuned because. Uh, I got a special announcement with a very special guest. It's only going to take about five minutes. So please hang in there with me. Uh, um, you're going to want to stick around. So we're going to have Everlasting Bass because the bass is everlasting and his new song. Thank you again, Radio. Yeah. Yes, sir. Thank you again, everybody. Here we go. So we're back. And the reason why we're back is because I believe in helping and supporting others. Uh, I believe that uh, if somebody uh, needs... Uh, help or need support we should support each other and i truly believe that so i have uh my good friend right here stephanie she's known on instagram uh, as salvi mommy salvi mommy now let me ask you this why did they call you salvi mommy honestly i've had my nickname since back in the myspace days uh-huh uh i picked my name because i wanted to represent my roots okay as my cultural background is salvadorian okay salvadorian mm -hmm. so salvi mommy for salvadorian mommy okay mm -hmm. all dope all good so and you said myspace days that sounds ancient now so, <laughs> huh? so uh, uh so can i see what you have here sure so what is it right here that you're handing me right now i'm handing you my stickers that um were created by one of my photographers uh-huh and um after that, I 
that became my logo okay. and I created pins now. Okay. I'm currently working on my website. Okay. And on gear, I'm I'm coming out with t-shirts and sweaters this November. Okay. Have them ready for the winter session. Okay. And this is your merch that you're pushing. Yes. Okay. Now was this an actual picture of you that they turned into a cartoon? Exactly. That's dope. So you guys need to support this, okay? Let's support each other. And I'm asking the whole Latino community to support each other. <laughs> and these are uh, pins that they can sport? Yes, a lot of people go to Dodger games. Um, you can put them on your hat. You put them on your hat. I'm wearing sure. one now on my dress. Okay. Th that's dope. That's dope. And you know what? Once again, support her. Now, if they wanted to purchase these right now, I know you don't have your website up. Where can they uh, reach you at? Directly on Instagram at Salve Mommy, you could just hit the DM and um, I will mail your your pin or sticker and okay. and yeah, I'm excited for for the future um, with the gear coming out. Yeah. Also, um, I had the pleasure to work with you for the Rodeo Mixtape documentary. Yes. I can't wait for everybody to see it. Yes. As it represents. 4th the west coast and hip-hop yes well we thank you for coming on and being a part of that and once again we thank you for coming and showing us these little pins because I, I collect pins and i collect stickers <laughs> uh, uh I, I love it uh believe me when you come out with a shirt i'll sport it because i want other people to support you as thank well thank you so much you know one thing since I, I i've only known you maybe for a short time but one thing uh when i see your post you go to school uh, um, you have a child, you're pushing your, your merch, and I love your hustle. And that's one thing uh, that I love about you as a friend is your hustle. And, uh, um, you know, continue with that winner's mentality. So once again, I'm asking everybody out there to uh, uh, hit her up on a DM, uh, on Instagram, uh, Salvi Mommy uh, on Instagram. But don't just hit her up because you're trying to get with her, trying to get something <laughs> for free. Only if you're serious and you yeah. want to buy hit her up uh is there any shout outs or anything you want to say before we um yeah i want to give a special shout out to everybody attending los angeles trade tech college i also want to give a shout out to everybody uh raised in northeast la that's where i was raised um and also to my son joseph Alvarez, um oh. who he's currently with my mom right now but um thank you very much a big shout out to you for it's an honor to be here and for letting me be part of of this amazing episode seven from the Rhodium documentary. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for being here. And we're going to continue to, uh, when you get a shirt, I'll buy one. I won't ask for none for free. I'll buy it and I'll wear it on this show. Uh, and, and we'll put, we'll put it when it comes out where, where people can reach you, you know, on the screen as well. I appreciate it. Uh, you I got it. You and th thank you for coming. And once again, uh, I'd like to close out my show. We're giving shout outs to number one, first of all, to Rodney O for coming. Much love and much respect to him. And I, and I hope and pray that much success comes his way. And also for Joe and also for my brother Jinx. I also want to thank my boy, uh, John Elkins for making all this possible. John Elkins is the man, uh, that, Without him here, this would not be happening. And, and I, I, I'm not ashamed to admit that. Things happen. Uh, uh, it's kind of like people like to give Emmett Smith all the credit for being a dope running back, but he also had a, a dope offensive line. So this is my offensive line. And uh, my boy DG, DG Media Clips. You can reach him on Instagram for all the dope pictures, all the footage uh, on, on the documentary as well. My boy, uh, um, uh, Kerry Fujita, South Bay Drones. You can reach him on South Bay Jones on Instagram. Roger Mero, he also goes by uh, Roger Live. Also, uh, I'd like to give a shout out to Boomer. Boomer uh, Boomer did it, the Remedy Yard. 
uh, my boy Wiz One. He did a lot of a lot of the sound on the Rolling Mixtape documentary. To uh, my boy uh, Doc Nasty, you can reach him on Doc Nasty on Instagram. My MC. Uh, hopefully, I'm hoping to do a mixtape tour of the Rolling Mixtape, uh, taking it to the stage. Uh, I want to give a shout out to my boy, my carnal, my funky Cubano hermano Melomanes. Much love and respect to him. Uh, one of the most talented MCs out there. Yeah, I'm saying it. The one of the most versatile MCs out there. Um, if I forgot anybody, please forgive me. To my my son, be scandalous. Uh, you can reach him on Instagram as well for helping me out promote this. Uh, so my good friend uh, Sandy Sandy Pants. Um, I'm trying to remember the 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 chaotic radio. Chaotic radio. Look that up. Chaotic radio. I was just a guest on her show, so check out that interview. And once again, I would like to thank me. <laughs> so, all right, everybody. We have a special guest. You're gonna to have to look at my Instagram on my Facebook tomorrow to find out who my special guest for tomorrow. But I will get uh, next week. I should say. Look at my page tomorrow to see who next week's guest is. Uh, but I will give you a hint. Next week's topic is Chicano rap. So if anybody wants to talk about Chicano rap or comment or live comments, tune in next week because uh, we're going to touch on uh, where Chicano rap started, where it's going, and some of the controversial subjects of Chicano rap. So... Once again, much love, much respect to everyone. Thank you all. Have a blessed night and we're out of here.